Hey gang, it's John Lamoureux. Thanks for listening to this special bonus Prince-themed episode of The Hustle. I wanted this to be a very special conversation about a special artist, so I sought out a special guest. And today, we are so hugely honored to have as a guest Steve Spears. Now, if you don't know who Steve is, first of all, that would be crazy because he is way more famous and popular than we are. He is the host of the beloved podcast, Stuck in the 80s. They have been around for over 10 years, and I became familiar with it a couple of years ago. I've gone back and listened to old episodes. It's actually pretty surreal talking with Steve because I feel like I know him really well. He doesn't know me, but I know him because I've been listening to him for a long time. So if you're unfamiliar with Steve, there might be some little points of inside information or inside baseball in this conversation that refer to Steve and his private life or his, uh, you know, his podcast or just inside jokes. Forgive me if it gets too insidery, but for the most part, it's just two Prince super fans talking about Prince. We talk about how we got turned on to Prince, our favorites, what we think his legacy might be, and we discuss the rumors around how he died. As of today, this recording it has not been revealed, and but there are rumors floating around out there. So we discuss some of those rumors and the viability of some of those rumors. I try to keep it pretty streamlined. Normally, as you know, we insert a lot of snippets of songs and play songs and give you a lot of context. I just wanted this to be a streamlined, stripped-down conversation between two Prince fans. Purple Rain is Steve's favorite song, I thought, so I thought we'd kick it off with that. My favorite Prince song is Mountains, so we're going to end it with that. Hope you guys enjoy it. Huge thank you to Steve. I can't believe you talked to me, man. He called me from his home in Orlando, Florida. Well, for starters, in case there's anyone listening who doesn't know who you are, can you give us a brief introduction? Sure. Um, obviously, my name is Steve Spears. I've been doing the uh, Stuck in the 80s podcast and blog for 11 years now. It was an offshoot of my 20th high school reunion I was asked to build a website for the reunion and I did and I started a blog at the same time that was just for my classmates just kind of reminiscing on the stories from you know back in high school I graduated in 85 people enjoyed it so much and I, was, I was able to track the traffic on it and I wasn't planning on going to the reunion itself, but people started emailing me and saying, you can't not go to the reunion. We've been reading your blog now for months, and the only reason I'm going is because I want to talk to you. So I went to the reunion, and it was you know, amazing. Totally the opposite of my 10th reunion. I came out of that, you know, like, kind of like a junkie. Like, I had to have, I couldn't just stop. And I, there wasn't really anything more to blog about for the reunion. So about that same time, this is... um. 2005, the um, newspaper I was working for at the time, which uh, was then called the St. Petersburg Times mm -hmm. in Florida, now it's called the Tampa Bay Times, we were, uh, podcasting was just getting started around the country, or at least it was for us. I was in the web department, and 
we wanted to, to try it, and I volunteered to do it, and I wanted to pick a topic that didn't feel like work. And so I came up with Stuck uh, in the 80s, and I had a co-host, Dean Vivanetto, and we, mm-hmm. we started doing it. We never actually thought anybody was listening. And then we started getting email from people. <laughs> we were shocked. Uh-huh. I mean, people... I remember the first time we got one from like California. California! Someone's yeah. listening to us in California? <laughs> they just kind of grew from there, and so it's, it'll be 11 years uh, in July. You're kind of famous. I gotta admit, I'm I'm almost more starstruck talking to you than I am some of the guests I have on this podcast. Uh, and I only talk to my favorite musicians on here. That's pretty amazing. You're making an impact out there. Oh, well, that's good. The '80s kind of disappeared with a thud, you know, mm-hmm. like probably around 1988 or 87. I mean, people just were like ready to move on from it. And you know, I think like halfway through the '90s or two thirds of the '90s, people started realizing, you know, holy hell, there's this great music. Right. Uh, especially the music. The movies are still good today, but the sure. music's not. And yeah. I and I think it was, you know, I think when Adam Sandler put out The Wedding Singer, I think that was like the first sign, that was like the first gasp of the eighties revival. And it, it has yeah. been going pretty strong since every every now and then I worry, I stick my head out, you know, and I look for signs that maybe it's starting to wane a little bit. But, you know, still going strong. We'll see how long yeah. it lasts. Good. Do you ever have 80s haters kind of get in your face about or try to argue with you about how lame the 80s are or that because that happens to me a lot I have, there are people out there who vehemently hate the music and the fashion and the culture of the 80s and I cannot for the life of me <laughs> shake them into understanding why it's cool and why it's fine and why it's good and I don't know if you ever come up against that being such a you know, um, such a missionary or proselytizer for the 80s. Yeah, it doesn't Maybe you only have people talking to you who feel like you do. Well, it, and that's kind of the, kind of one of the secrets of, of Stuck in the 80s is that for the most part, we, we keep it positive. We, we talk mm-hmm. about things we love. Mm-hmm. You know, we won't disagree from time to time on things, but we don't really go into hate mode very often. We, so we, we avoid politics for the most part. We don't talk about religion. We don't, I mean, we don't talk about sex except for you know, the sex we had back then or whatever. Right. I mean, we, right. we, we don't talk about economics. So we don't talk about the things that people tend to disagree on. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, the thing is, I mean, everybody has their years of development. For me, it was, I began high school in 81. I graduated college in 89. So, like, my formative years were the 80s. Yeah. You know, I don't expect my uncle to understand it. I don't expect, um, <laughs> you know, right. some of my cousins to for them, it was the 90s, and, you know, yeah. more power to them. I don't think that right. they'll have, I don't think the 90s will, I don't think any decade that has come since the 80s will see the revival that the 80s saw. I think that I was like the last. Yeah. People talk about the 80s as being the last great decade. You know, if that's the case, I'm I'm happy and sad at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that's true. We'll never see the likes of it again. Yeah. Right. I uh, I've been listening to you for a couple of years now. I'm still going back. I'm about in the 180s, so I'm about halfway through the older episodes. So I listen to the new ones when they come out, and then I try to play catch-up with the old ones. Oh, and, you're um, right in the sweet spot. You're right in the sweet yeah. spot of the glory years of Stuck in the 80s. We were really <laughs> we were cranking them out back then, and we had yeah. a lot of interviews. I don't know why Sean Daly left. He was a magic you know, special ingredient in these things. I follow him on Facebook, too. I think he's, what is he, with the Home Shopping Network now or something he, like that? He's a game show host on the Home Shopping Network. Is that it? Weird. 
have to I'll have to check that out. But anyway, well, yeah, yeah. The, sto- the story I mean, was he didn't necessarily leave it. This was about three years ago or four years ago. It was kind of starting to. We were under pressure from where we were working at to not spend as much time podcasting. He was getting pulled in different directions. I was getting pulled in different directions. Eventually, I left. Mm-hmm. the newspaper, and I moved to Orlando, where I live now. And at that point, he really could, he could not participate anymore. I mean, they weren't – it wasn't practical anymore. So we, we had to evolve and become what we are today. Do you mostly now make a living as like a freelance writer? Is that what you do now? No. I work for a magazine company that's based in Winter Park, Florida, which is this really nice suburb of Orlando. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm way far away from the theme parks which is a good thing. And we produce a lot of magazines that are lifestyle-oriented, like uh, Savor and Flying and Scuba Diving and travel okay. magazines. So there's about 25 magazines and about 50 websites, and uh, I work on the websites. So that's okay. my full-time gig. But, I, but yes, I still do freelancing. All right, let's talk about Prince. I mean, I know that you were a big fan, and I've been seeing your posts. How many times can you watch Purple Rain You know, in 24 hours? <laughs> Let's go back to the very beginning. Do you remember when you discovered Prince, when you became a fan? What was the first thing, the first song or image that really knocked you out? It was the video for 1999. Yeah, Um, me too. I don't think I ha- I didn't have MTV right when it started. I it took when I was growing up we didn't have cable in uh my city. And so my mom used to uh she had a friend at work who would take uh VHS tapes and tape 6 hours of MTV mm-hmm. for for me a couple times a week and she would bring it back. Those were the and days. I remember one of one of those tapes had um Prince 1999. I was I mean the thing that still stands out to me was like like, you know, what a stage presence. What a what a yeah. light show. I mean, I love the song, yeah. but the rest of it was just so, you know, intense. Yeah. It was it's hard to ignore. Well, and his I mean, his imagery now I'm I'm a little younger than you, so in nineteen eighty two when that came out, I was only nine. Being a little boy and growing up religious as I did, I am so confused by what I'm seeing. And I'm uh-huh. loving the song, but I'm so confused by the imagery and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like the song or if I'm supposed to be scared of this person. I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking at, but it's provoking a response in me that I can't deny that this guy is such a, I mean, these are great songs, great musician, and he's doing something that no one else is doing. And I'm kind of titillated by that, but I'm also sort of confused, you know, and I'm sure that's exactly what he wanted people to be thinking about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean I could- yeah, I could tell you that, like, 
even if you're 15 or 16 years old and you see that for the first time, you have the exact same feelings. Right. Um, it was, I mean, nobody had ever, there was probably artists that did what Prince did before he did. But right. he was definitely the first of my generation to do that. Exactly, I mean, yes. I mean, I'm sure James Brown and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, some, some of the artists that Prince borrowed from, you know, are all pieces, you know, you know, have the pieces in him. But for us to see, you know, for us to have a, a brand new medium of MTV and this, this, this interesting combination of funk and rock and roll mixed together, and then this, you know, crazy costumes and, mm-hmm. you know, it was yeah, it was a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when um, I was trying to explain it to my dad one time about about he, he wanted to, to understand some of the music I was listening to at the time. And I remember playing him, uh, let's go crazy. Mm -hmm. And he really liked, aside from the fact that he could barely understand the lyrics, which Mm -hmm. to be honest, even with the lyric sheet in front of me today, I I don't know that I hear the words that are written down in front of me. (laughs) My dad loved the song all the way to the guitar solo at the end. And he's like, Oh no, that's, that's too much. That's too just really, I don't like that. Yeah. He hated the guitar solo. You know, but that's what dads do. I mean, um, uh, but up until then, you know, I had them hooked. It's so funny you mentioned that about our, you know, our parents and their reaction to Prince. My uh, my mom, bless her, is somebody. She's so sweet, and she tries her hardest to take an interest in the things that I took an interest in as a kid as well. So if I was really into a band, then she would tell me if she heard them on the radio. Or if yeah. I was really into a movie, she would go rent it for me. Or if I was really into a team, she would. You know, tell me if they were playing. Anyway, I remember being in a video store, and I'm 11 years old, maybe 12 years old, and Purple Rain has just come out on video. And back then, you know, you go to the the video stores on the weekends, and we'd grab a ton of movies, and that's what we'd do all weekend. And I remember her saying, John, Purple Rain's here. And so we rented it, and and again, I'm 11 or 12 or something, and we go home, and we're watching it together with my younger siblings. My dad's out of town, thank goodness. And I'll try and keep this PG, but it's that scene, kind of the sex scene, where, you know, Apollonia is like in her underwear, and Prince is behind her and kind of fondling her in places, and my mom starts getting mad, like, John, why are you watching this? And I, and I was like, Mom, you picked this out. You, you're the one who chose this. And she took the kids and stormed out of the room, and, and again, I'm too young to even really know what I'm looking at, except that Apollonia is hot, and I know she's naked in Lake Minnetonka. Anyway, it, the, our parents' reactions to these things kind of—it almost yeah. helps to solidify how much they mean to us by their reaction to our feelings. You know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I was, I was um, watching. I was watching no, Purple Rain the other night. I was watching Purple Rain the other night, and, and um, you know, one of the. Ten times that I've probably seen it since he died, and I, and it crossed my mind. I was like, I don't know if my mom has ever seen this movie, and and so I start. I was about to text her. It was like ten uh-huh. o'clock at night. I was going to say, Hey, mom, next time I come home, how about I bring Purple Rain and we'll watch it. And just right about that time, it got to one of the it got to the sex scene. I was like, uh-huh. uh, I'm 48 years old, but I'm not going to watch a sex scene in my life. Let her watch it by herself, or you can yeah, fast yeah. forward through that part or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was weird. That was my uh, that was my thing. Do you have now? Is Purple Rain? Is that your favorite Prince album? Is that one of your favorite album albums? Where does his music fall for you? I know you're a big um, Journey guy. 
Uh, well, I don't believe all the hype with the Journey stuff. I mean, um, to me, Journey is like one of those bands that kind of symbolizes oh, got uh, it. the coming of age and, and, and the sure. 80s. And, and I've seen them plenty of times, and, and, and I do love them, but Purple Rain would definitely be my favorite Prince album. I, you know, the, here's the thing, and we recorded a, um, a Prince podcast just a couple of days ago. I've been working on it right now, and I'll have it online shortly, and people can... You know, go to sit80s.com and download it. As much as I love Prince, it's really hard for me to like go deep on it. Like, like if someone said, "What's your favorite deep cut by Prince?" I'd be like, "Gosh, I, you know, I don't know." I mean, yeah, I really loved, I really loved the hits. Sirius XM has been, you know, they they turned over one of their channels to all Prince music for the last four or five days, and so mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of that when I was driving around and. You know, I heard some songs I hadn't heard in a long time, and, yeah. and that was nice. But no, there's something to me about Purple Rain, the album. It just means the world to me. I, yeah. I think it was because it came out in the year that it did. I think I was a, a junior in high school, and so I could drive. So, I mean, like that that's really like when you first kind of realize that you're practically an adult. You can you yeah. can pretty much do anything an adult can do at this point in your life. You know, yeah. And I think the maturity of that album and the themes of that album really connected with me, and so it doesn't leave you. And it's yeah. I, I remember I sh- shamelessly used Purple Rain, the song, you know, as a makeout song my freshman <laughs> year in college. I know that like, you know, if nothing else works, put on Purple Rain. Sure. And, you know, <laughs> you girls just melt. Yeah. Um, I, I I I take. Uh, I refuse to apologize for that. It's it's, it's way up there. I, yeah. You know, if you took the worst song on that album, I would still say it'd be better than almost any song of any other album that he did. Yeah. That, yeah. Which isn't obviously true, but that's how strongly I feel about it. Sure. I, I hear you. Is Purple Rain then the song your top Prince song of all? Yeah. It's you know it's hard to look at the '80s and come up with songs that you that you don't get tired of hearing. I mean, yeah. let's face it, the, the way the 80s kind of worked with MTV especially and with mainstream radio is you, there were songs that you just, you, you may have loved them the first hundred times you heard it. Sure, yeah. But you hit that wall eventually, you know, like, I can't, yeah, of course. I can't listen right. to I Melt With You One More Time by Modern English. Yeah. You know, that's high yeah. on my list of, of songs I really don't want to hear again. But Purple Rain, for some reason, I don't know, it's just one of those mm. ones that, that, that just and and I feel uh, not fraudulent, but you know I, I feel like a poser, almost mm. saying that. But it just it is. It, I, I, yeah. I take no, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm guilty as charged. I love that song. Yeah. Um, I when when he played at the Super Bowl. Yeah. In 2007, you know, I was just Goodness. like, I still gives me chills just thinking about it. I've been a Prince fan since back in the day. Uh, I think I go back and forth between. Purple Rain and Sign of the Times being his best album, and I can't yeah. really choose. I mean, Purple Rain is probably perfect, a perfect album in terms of enjoyment and what it's saying. Sign of the Times feels like slightly a higher artistic statement, and the fact mm-hmm. that it nails like every song kind of, I don't know, I go back and forth, but it's weird. My, my sentimental favorite, if I had to pick one album of his to go on a, a desert island or whatever, it would be the Under the Cherry Moon soundtrack, Parade, 
And uh, my my favorite Prince song is Mountains. Do you even remember Mountains? Not really. I'm not well. going to sing it for you. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I'm not going to sing it for you. It was one. It was a hit. It was on the same album as Kiss. You know that that stuff. Yeah. But that's the one for me. But anyway, okay. So let's. What do you think Prince's legacy is? I mean, if you're if you're talking to a 13 year old kid today and they hear Prince dies, and they kind of shrug it off because they don't really know who Prince is. What are you telling that kid that is selling the importance mm. of Prince to them? I don't know there's a simple answer to that. I don't know that any of us will understand the legacy of him for a while. The coolest thing about him was that he could never be understood. He gave us a blend of old school and new school, which not everybody was doing at that time. He... Mm-hmm. He definitely expressed a freedom about sexuality, which, mm-hmm. without without being too, I don't know, I don't want to say lurid, but you know, the way Madonna did it to me, it's just like, and maybe I'm being too, uh, you know, gender mm-hmm. uh, biased here, but Prince is sexy. Madonna was just kind of, you know, not slutty, but right, yeah. Something like that, you know, like yeah, kind of more but, in um, your face, yeah, flaunting kind of it at um, you. Whereas, yeah, I get it. And Prince evolved, and changed, and fought with music companies. Fought with, I mean, it, mm. it, how do you boil it down? I mean, people will write yeah. books about it. They'll write yeah. books about it, and yeah, we'll be talking about it for for decades, probably. Yeah, and, one of the words that comes to mind when I think about Prince is pure. Is is purity because I feel like even the best artists that are out there today and artists of his, and you know, we lose, we lose David Bowie too. And they're basically the black and white versions of each other in a lot of ways, you know, but the lady Gaga's and those people who are out there now, as talented as they might be, there's an affectedness or a put uponness to their imagery that doesn't always seem authentic. You know that when Prince wakes up in the morning He's wearing Prince pajamas. You know what I mean? He is Prince every second of the day. He's not putting on a Prince uniform or a Prince costume. That sexuality, that androgyny, the musical genius that's coming out of him, that is that is a pure, honest statement of the man God made, not a an art, you know, not a, a character that he was playing. Does that you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that's what sort of separates him from so many other artists. Yeah, he's not a brand; he's a person. And he um, found a way to be his truest self and be, you know, a lightning rod of interest and creativity throughout his whole career. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it is, and and I don't. I'd like to think, and I could be wrong here because I, I didn't study him over the last thirty years like I kind of wish I had. But right, I never think of him as being someone who was. Um, who went with the times. I mean, he, he yeah. kind of blazed his own path and made his own music. And if you didn't like it, don't buy it, you know? Yeah. But, you know, so many other bands of that era, if you look at, I mean, even if you look, if you look back to one of my childhood bands, the, one of the first rock bands I ever fell for was Kiss. Mm-hmm. And Kiss destroyed themselves in 1979 when they made like the disco album called Dynasty. And I was made yeah. for loving you. I don't mm-hmm. think Prince ever had a dynasty moment. He never had a moment where he said, "Well, you're right. 
this music's not cool anymore, so I guess I'll try to do uh Very true. This other thing that everybody else is but he just he made his own music and if you liked it, great. If you didn't Very true. Plenty of other people. So Yeah. I respect I didn't think Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you're so right. Did you ever see him in concert? No, biggest regret too. I don't think he came through I mean, one of the disadvantages of living in Florida is you don't yeah. get too many uh, chances to see bands play. They just nobody wants to to take a, a turn this far south. He mm-hmm. played a couple. He played at least one or two infamous gigs at the Orange Bowl down in Miami in um, 1985. And I, I mean, I hear epic tales of those concerts mm-hmm. that they were just. Mm-hmm. But as someone who was living in Tampa Bay at the time, I guarantee right. you there's no possible way that uh, like a, a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old mm-hmm. gets to go ahead from mom and dad to drive down to Miami right. to see Prince. It, right. That doesn't, that doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. I know when he was playing his final gigs in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, I was real tempted to, to buy a ticket and go up there and see it. But my work schedule was so crazy, and those were like mm-hmm. middle of the week shows, and I was just like, you yeah. know what? I'll catch him next time. And, and now yeah. I'm really kicking myself, obviously, for that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I have a very similar story. I grew up in Salt Lake City, and to my knowledge, Prince has never stepped foot in the state <laughs> of Utah. You know, most artists didn't back then. It's a little better now. Yeah. But, so I missed out on a ton of stuff, especially growing up there in the 80s and early 90s when, as we've been talking, that's our key, that's our key time, right? So I'm, no one came through there. Luckily, about uh, 10, 12, 13 years ago, I uh, was working for Tower Records in Sacramento in their corporate offices, and I got free tickets to see him in Oakland one night. Ah. And this was during musicology. So it's his big comeback, right? He's been kind of off in the wilderness making strange albums for a while, and now he's you know, reemerging as this artist that you've forgotten is amazing. I remember my wife and I went to the show, and we got free tickets, and the place was only about a quarter full by, the time, by start time, and the lights go out, and I'm thinking, is Prince going to come out and play to only like a quarter of the people? And it was Morris Day in the time. And, oh. Right. Like the exact thing you would want to have happened, happened. You know what I mean? So Morris Day comes out, and Jerome Bennett's got the got the mirror, and Morris is doing his papa door, and he does this amazing opening set, and then he goes off, and then Prince comes out and does, yeah, top three probably best shows I've ever seen. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. And luckily, that was the one and only chance I've ever had, and luckily it worked out. But, yeah, I, I mean... Sorry to tell you, it it is as good as people say it is. Oh yeah. Well, I I did see Morris Day um, back in 2009. I think you did because I think I'm at that point in your podcast right now. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, coming yeah. up or it has just happened. Yeah. It. I, I went to about seven years ago. We decided to do a um, the second 80s gang decided to do like a road trip to Vegas. Mm. Because there was a tour called the Regeneration Tour at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, I think it survived a few more years after that. And it was playing in Vegas one weekend. And it had Human League and Belinda Carlisle and ABC, Flock of Seagulls, Naked Eyes. It was a great show. And then so we, there was, I think, maybe seven of us. There was only seven of us then. Because this is right in the middle of the recession. So no nobody can afford to travel. And 
mm-hmm. spend money on uh, concert tickets. And so we booked it. We were all ready to go. And then, like, a month before, they made the announcement that Morris Day in the, t- in the original time were getting together and they were going to do a stint at the Flamingo in mm. Vegas. And so and he was playing the night before the Regeneration Tour. Mm-hmm. So we had back-to-back amazing nice. concerts. So, yeah. And, yeah. And we're lucky because he's playing on the 80s Cruise for 2017 as well. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully he has a chance to talk to him soon. Um, that's, he's been on my bucket list of interviews. I'm sure he's yeah, pretty busy right now. I know. Um, yeah, I remember where I am in your podcast, you recently broke up with Vegas Girlfriend. Oh, and yeah, I saw that same Regeneration Tour in <laughs> Salt Lake uh, probably within days of you seeing the one. I drove to Salt I live in Denver. I drove to Salt Lake to see that exact same yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, the infamous breakup episode with Vegas Girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. I'm never it's like it's the one relationship that won't completely go away because it, I lived it in the public and I it sure the breakup happened in the public. But you know, it's pretty cool. I got to meet Timmy Former from Valley Girl out of it, so Yeah. I know, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm kinda of blown away by that. Yeah. I was just talking to her today actually, so um <laughs> Can you believe so, you're talking to Deborah Foreman of Valley Girl like she's your buddy. She kind of is, is becoming your buddy. Yeah, she is. We text Isn't that wild? We te- we text we text each other, we call each other, um we share dating stories with each other, stuff like that. And you know, I think well, Martha Quinn and I talk back and forth all the time, and that's incredible. Yeah, it's a little surreal. Yeah, times. it is. Yeah, I've gotten to be kind of friends, friendly, you know, Facebook friends with some of the people I've had on my podcast. It's just crazy when your when your rock and roll heroes are become like regular people to you, and they send sure. you a friend request on Facebook. You know what I mean? It's the oh, weirdest yeah. feeling in the world. Yeah, it's <laughs> but still, I love it. It's still a huge, it's still a huge turn on. You know when I. Oh, big time. Even, even when I'm on Twitter and I see so-and-so is following me, oh, Mark Goodman's following me now. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Okay, so we got to talk about the rumors about what how he might have died. As of this point, and today's Tuesday, it has not, nothing's been formally announced, but there are rumors. In fact, I was just reading an article today published in the NME. <clears throat> it's a pretty thorough rundown of everything we know now. Like, when did he die? Where? Is there a funeral? That kind of a thing. There are, and I hate to bring up the salaciousness, but it's out there. We kind of got to talk about it. But there are, number one, there are rumors that he's been a cocaine and heroin addict for a very long time. I'm not sure that I believe that. Um, Because to me, it always seemed like he was sort of a clean living guy. Of course, if he wasn't, you would never know because he's so secretive. But he might even have been a vegetarian. Sure. I think he might have been a vegetarian. I don't think he drinks. I know he's a devout Jehovah Witness, so that doesn't exactly ring true to me. But what does is that apparently he had like an addiction to Percocet and that this might have been a Percocet accidental overdose. Have you been hearing this too? Yeah, I'd heard I'd, I'd read the same story. I hadn't heard, seen the cocaine one, but I had read about it was either Percocet or Vicodin about mm-hmm. – and I buy that. I mean, he he had a hip injury that was bothering him, and I could see where he would probably be on painkillers. And I, from what I understand, for, I've never really used those. Um, never had the need to, thankfully. But you know, from what I understand, it's not hard to get addicted. Yeah, yeah. It's sad when people like him or Michael Jackson, you know, these these titans, 
go down with a drug addiction that's, you know, sleeping pills or pain pills or something that, you know, it's just, it's not the usual stuff. It's not the heroin and the cocaine. It's something that they need to feel better. You know what I mean? It's sad. I'm afraid that's what we're going to find out has happened. And I just think that's There's the other rumor, too. I don't know if you heard this one. This was an early rumor was that he had AIDS and he had taken himself off medication. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was, I, I read that, I read that on the internet like a couple of days after the death. And I, you know, again, we'll find out when the autopsy's in. I, I bet it's, I, I would say more likely it's the painkiller addiction. Yeah. But, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. Do you, I mean, he liked to play around with, his sexuality and keep people guessing. Where I mean, it's none of our business. But do you have an idea or an opinion of where you think he lands on that? I, I don't really have an opinion. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's Prince and he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, true. Yeah, if, he, if you told me that he was into collecting erotic art of horses and sheep, I, I would still be okay with that. You know. Right. So. Um, right. Yeah. Nah, I, I, you know, he, I know he was married twice, that he had a child at one point. Sure. Um, that didn't, I think he passed away about a week or, or so after he was born. I mean, the guy, he's lived 10 lives. He lived 10 yeah. lives in his 57 years. In a year like this, in a year like 2016, nothing surprises me anymore. I hope, I, I mean, it's only April. I mean, yeah. gosh, how much worse can it get? I know. I know, I agree. Yeah, I've never bought into those rumors. I think that was just something he liked to kind of tease people about. You mentioning the AIDS thing, I'd never heard that. I thought maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not uh, tuned in. Yeah. I don't think so, but I don't know. I, so, I doubt that's true. I, it just doesn't seem it doesn't match up with everything else in the case. And yeah, and if it is, you know, we all sure we all have to die of something. So sure, I mean, yeah. I, that's not to sound crass, but. Personally, I've always thought I'll, I'll get, I'm going to buy it someday in an airplane accident. That's, the, uh, <laughs> That's how you're going to go down? Do you have a fear of flying? No, I don't. But I, I have been known to take a Xanax before takeoff. Just to ah, it. got it. But prescribed legally, of course. Um, yes. To my doctor, yes. who I've explained this to many times, I was like, I, I could take one bottle of Xanax and make it last five years. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I mean, we all, it's just, it's, no matter how he died, I mean. Yeah. I think I said something about um, on the podcast that we haven't released yet. Is I, you know, the, the only thing that kind of surprises me is that, you know, someone like Prince should die like in a rocket ship accident. You know? I know. It's just, True. I mean, he should, or just like you know, he spontaneously combusts. Like yeah. That, that would that should have been the way he went. Not. I know. Not, not in an elevator. I know. I completely agree. It just it, none of it lines up. None of it feels right. Do you yeah. have a favorite Prince? female. He had so many gorgeous, beautiful <laughs> women protégés. Did you did you have a favorite? Wendy. Wendy. Wendy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Yes. Good for um, you. Yeah. I talked to her once. I talked to both Wendy and Lisa seven or eight years ago. They were involved in the recording of the score for the TV show Heroes, I think. Mm-hmm. And our TV critic was at the newspaper was going to talk to them on the phone, and I was taping the recording for him, and um, so I had like a couple minutes to chat, 
with them about Prince, and that was interesting. And I had a huge crush on Wendy when I was, you know, mm-hmm. back during Purple Rain. I didn't know at the time that she mm-hmm. and, and Lisa were a couple. <laughs> so it's a, we know um, you and your penchant for that with your Christy McNichol yeah, um, crush. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally cursed with women. I mean, the, I'm attracted to, to women who don't like men. I just... <laughs> And, and, the, and I'm also attracted to women who are cruel to men. I, I don't know what to say. It's just, at least it's I, nothing personal against you, right? No, you can look at it that way. No. I, you know what's really sad is um, the thing that crosses my mind too, and this is this might be too too much detail for your for your podcast, but back back when I was, and I think we've told part of the story on the podcast over the years is when I was in high school, it was a big thing in Tampa Bay to have lip sync competitions. Mm. And so you would audition for it. You know, you'd go in there and say, hey, we're going to be – and I was in two of them. I was in one where I was – we were in the Blues Brothers and we were playing Soul Man. And, you know, all dressed up like – you know, you dressed up like the band and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was and then I was in one for Frank to do it to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Well, the year that we were doing – gosh, what's it? The year that we were doing the Blues Brothers, there was another band there doing Prince and the Revolution. Mm. And the girl who was Wendy was hot too. I'm like, oh my god, she's just as hot as the real Wendy. Right. And damn it, he wouldn't know it. Like another guy in my band ended up making out with her that night. Not me. Oh, foiled and, again. And I remember him just denying it to me. He'd just come out of like another room with her. He's got her. Ma- he's got her makeup smeared all over his face. <laughs> he's denying. Like, you made out with Wendy. Admit it. <laughs> No, no, I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, man. Oh, uh, bummer. Yeah. You couldn't even score with the fake Wendy. Can't score. Yeah, that would be on and my your friend tombstone. Did. Yeah. On my tombstone. Couldn't even score with the fake Wendy. I should have told the real Wendy that story, but I think she would have thought it just as <laughs> pathetic as most people do when I tell them that story. <laughs> well, I feel you, brother. I, I'm there with you. I, 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 can, uh, I can sympathize. I wanted to talk to a fellow... Prince fan. I don't want to keep you too long. I just wanted to commiserate with someone else who loves Prince. By the way, have you seen this letter that he wrote to Suzanne Vega that Suzanne Vega has posted on Facebook and it's kind of going viral? Have you seen this? Yeah, I saw that it was there. I haven't read it yet. What's it say? Here, I'll read it to you. First of all, it's in the most beautiful penmanship you've ever seen in your life. And it's from his... (laughs) Yes, and it's from it's got like his office stationery on it. It's got the address for Paisley Park and the phone number. Dearest Suzanne, Luca is the most compelling piece of music I've heard in a long time. There are no words to number two, tell you, letter U, all the things I feel when I hear it. I thank God for you, number four, letter U, Prince. <laughs> and he draws a flower and a cross. Wow. Yeah, and I just think, man, if you were, I, I mean, I would frame that. I, I couldn't imagine being the recipient of a letter like that from Prince. Could you imagine? I think we'll see a lot more of that in the come. I do too. Weeks. There's a lot of people I'm sure he reached out to over the years, and some of them probably maybe don't want to share. You know, they want yeah. to it's something personal to them, and they're going to hold on to it, and that's great, you know. We, we're all going to have to come to clips with Prince in our own way. You know, my way might be watching Purple Rain so many times and dreaming about Wendy. Oh, my uh. gosh. 
the part the part of the very end of the movie where he goes when they're playing Purple Rain uh-huh. and he looks over and she's crying and he goes over and kisses her on the cheek. Oh, uh-huh. I just I burst into like a, like a sobbing, you know, <laughs> yes. fool at that point. I know what you mean. Into Field of Dreams, but uh, there was one other question I was going to ask. Uh, going back to you saying, hopefully more things like this will come out. If there's an upside to this. I'm hoping that suddenly all of his videos can now be posted on YouTube. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing myself. I know that's uh, selfish of me, but every there's nothing on there, and he because no. he's so litigious about it. So I'm yeah. hoping that stuff can now find its way out. Well, yeah, me too. I, I think what's interesting too is I just right before I called you, I was on Facebook, and I saw that Wendy and the Revolution. I saw that too. The video themselves saying they're going to get back together, reunite, and tour, and yeah, I thought, well, that's a great thing too. You know, I mean, yeah, it really needs it. it you know, it's a, it's such a cliche, but it really does need to be a celebration and not, you know, some somber, you yeah. know, recognition of his life. I mean, he would he would just go bonkers if he thought people were were crying about it. Maybe he would want, yeah, <laughs> he would want to do quite the opposite. I'm sure, right. He wouldn't want to see it for himself in person, but he's got to, wherever he is, be appreciative that people care this deeply. I think it's great.